we thought this year to, as a series we would talk about goals and setting goals and, uh, you know, talking about goals and of life and, uh, and, and where they're all kind of goals and plans and that's good and we make all different kinds. Really and truly, there's something a little bit deeper than that and that is uh, what do you want out of life? Have you ever thought about that? Because if we're not careful, we just float through life like a leaf in a brook. We just really do. It's like, well, I get up, go to work, come here, go there, do this, do that. And, and really, what do you want out of life? Have you ever thought about that? Young people, what's life all about? What do you want? And so, you know, we're going to talk about life goals. I think the Apostle Paul really said it well because he knew God and he wrote most of the New Testament. And this is what he said in, 1 Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, he said, so whether we are at home, meaning alive on this earth, or away, meaning dead, in the grave, come up God. And he echoes that in other parts of the New Testament also many times about pleasing God. Seems to be a mandate on our life to please him. And so last week, Pastor Micah taught you on life goes concerning uh, healthy relationships, which I think is really, uh, really a big deal because, uh, man, when your relationships get all sideways, how many of you know it's kind of tough in life? It's really tough, you know, if your kids turn around on you or, you know, even in your marital relationships. So we, we want to maintain good, healthy relationships. And this week we're going to talk about work goals. Work goals. And when we say the word work, you know, we think about different things. We, we You know, when you meet somebody, it's amazing. You meet somebody and say, hey, my name's Van. And, and he says, oh, hey, my name's Joe. And, hey, Joe, where you living? And you, you talk about where you live. Where you from? You know, well, I'm from Texas or, you know, I'm from Long Beach or wherever. And e eventually you always get to the, the question, and that is, where do you work? What do you do for a living? And, uh and you say, well, I do this, I do that. And, you know, you, you never know who you're talking to. You might be talking to a little bitty guy, you know, kind of scrawny little bitty guy like me. And you say, you know, what, what do you do? You say, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a heavy equipment operator. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you meet this big burly guy. He looks like he could just take your head off like a bottle top, you know. And, and you say, well, well, what do you do? You say, well, I'm a bookkeeper, <laughs> you know. And so we all have got these jobs going on and we, these, this work. But, but what is work technically? What is work? Let me give you the technical definition. It's, it's physical or mental uh, effort or activity directed towards the production or accomplishment of something. Or we could break it down into stuff that we understand. That is, what do you give your energy to? <laughs> What are you really expelling energy to when, when it comes to work? And, and uh, we could talk about a job, and we will just a moment, but this thing about work right here, work uh, is where you give your activity and your energy to, and you, when you do work, you really benefit from it, but other people also benefit from your work. And as you give this effort, you know, you do it in different ways because when we say work, we automatically think about a job. But let, let's not think about that right now. Let's think about the stay-at-home mom. Let, let's, let's think about uh, the retired person. Probably in this room we've got stay-at-home moms, probably got retired persons. And how about students? We've got some students in here. And so we all have work to do. We all have something that we give our energy to. And uh, serving, you know, you say, well, how do I do that? Wait a minute. You know, I, I only know about a job about work. But Work like I'm talking about right now would be like maybe helping an elderly couple that lives next door to you. Maybe it's taking care of your mom or your dad as they get older. 
you know, maybe it's just helping a single mom who, you know, has got three kids and uh, maybe able to give her to help her through hard times. And, and, and work continues. Look, uh, kids, listen to me, young people. School is work. By the way, it's, I will let you in on a secret. You ready? Here's a secret. School is the easiest work you'll ever do. <laughs> I know you don't believe me. How many of you older people say, right on? That's true. It's some of the easiest things you'll ever do, but it's good and it's great. And I believe God has created us, you know, and given us different um, giftings to where we can work. I knew one man, he just had this wonderful gifting of being a mechanic. Like, like he could fix cars. And I mean, you'd, you'd just drag your car underneath his carport. He'd get underneath there. And, and two days later, you know, he'd deliver your car to your working. A lot of times he charged just a little bit, and a lot of times he charged absolutely nothing. It just was the work he did, you know. And let me say this about raising kids. First of all, women, having a baby is work. I don't know if you know that or not. Do you know that? The men kind of start this thing off and then, you know, they sit on the sideline for a long time. And then raising kids is work, sometimes very, very difficult work. And so we all work it. So that, that we have to be motivated by something. All of us are motivated. Now, I'm not giving you a motivational speech here, but all of us are motivated all the time. Something motivates you. And I believe when it comes to this work, I think productivity is the great motivator here. I believe we, we want to be productive. We want, we want to accomplish something. And I believe God designed us. We said last week God designed us for healthy relationships. And I believe God designs us to be productive. And I believe we see it in the Scriptures, starting in the book of Genesis. Uh, by the way, if you ever want to know what God really thinks about something, uh, the scholars tell us that if you'll just find the first time it's mentioned in Scripture, which we call the, the law of first mention, you'll find out that that's really the principle that God sets off on. So in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, this is what God said to Adam and Eve. He blessed them, and, and then God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. There it is. That's our first thing, be fruitful and multiply. It's work having kids, folks. And fill the earth and subdue it. Man, he, he's saying, I want you to conquer it. I want you to uh, sub, uh, call it to be subjugated to you and, and have dominion over it. Man, you're taking charge over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And I believe this speaks to being productive. And I think, you know, work isn't a curse. Work is God's idea. I mean, God worked. God worked six days, and then he rested as a pattern for us. We see further in Genesis 2.15 that the Lord God took the man, he, he put him in the, in the Garden of Eden, and what did he say to do? Eat, eat, eat pomegranates and watch the clouds float by in the cool of the day. Work it, and I want you to keep it. I want you to work it. I want you to serve it. I want you to till the ground, and then I want you to protect it. I want you to take care of it. I want you to work and keep it. And before sin, that's the way it was. Work was before sin, but now sin comes and perverts absolutely everything that ever happens in the earth. It's just amazing how sin has tainted all of existence. It's sort of like, like two pictures I just want to share, you know, because, uh, you know, how many of you are like early risers? Like you just love to get up early in the morning. Like, yeah, that, I mean, that, you, know, you know, man, you know, what's wrong with you, you know? I mean, I mean, it's sort of like this first picture. Put that first picture up. It's like the early bird can get the worm because worms are gross and mornings are stupid. <laughs> he didn't say you're stupid. He just said mornings are stupid. 
Then put up that other one. Put it, because some of you are like this. I woke up early. There was no worm. <laughs> I ain't seen a worm in 22 years. I don't know anything about a worm, man. Getting up early. Some people say, I'm getting up. I'm going to be running. You want to come? I'll be running at 4 a.m. I say, man, 4 a.m., that's the middle of the night. I'm still trying to sleep, man, at 4 a.m. and at 6 a.m. and at 7.30 a.m. And if I could sneak in nowadays till quarter to eight, come on now. I see some of you, you just love that, huh? How many of you sleep all day, every day if you could? It's just that way, you know. So, so here it is. So God is productive. And because God is productive, and we're made in his image and in his likeness, look at that, we are to be productive. We are made to be productive. So the, the question is here, do you feel productive in your work? Not talking about job yet, in your work. Do you feel productive? And, and really, when you answer that question, if you, if you don't feel productive, maybe there's just a couple of things that maybe you need to think about. Number one is that maybe you're not working on the right thing. You see, to be productive and effective in life, you've got to think about it. You just, you just got to give some thought to it. Don't, don't just get caught up in the every day. Get up, take a shower, get ready, go to work, eat lunch, work, come home, get, get there, talk, hey, woman, hey, kids, TV, watch this, watch that, go to sleep, and just do it over and over again. Or it might be that you're not working at all. Now, I know that's not talking. See, that was talking about the first service. Not working at all, but not you. Not you. There's not one of you in this place that's not working at all, right? And if you are not working at all, Pastor Mike just gave you a way to get to work, and that is serve in the kids' ministry. <laughs> Zero to four. Hey, it just gets harder. And, and we're designed to work. And, and one of the ways that we are designed to work is what we really relate to a lot, and that is a job. So what is a job? Well, a job is what you do to make money. Come on now. How many of you love to work and not make any money? You love to have a job like they offer you a job. Say, you're going to be a ship, you know, a fitter in the shipyard here. And, and you say, what's the pay? Say, well, there's no pay. How many of you would go to work? No, none of you would go to work because we work for money. We, all, we work for money. You know, I think about my first job. And as I thought about this, I realized I never got paid. I was just a little kid. I was about five or six. I don't know, maybe seven. I'm not sure. I was just little. My dad owned a, a men and boys clothing store, and, and the first job I ever had was security camera. Now, we didn't have security cameras because they hadn't been invented yet, right? But I was a security camera. And so he put a ladder in the back corner of the, of the building, and he said, now, this is what I want you to do, Van. Climb up there, sit on the very top, look at the people in the store. If anybody takes anything, you come down, get down there, come back and tell me they took it. That was my first job. And the pay was like nothing, you know what I mean? Of course, I had a bed to sleep in and roof over my head and clothes and food, and so I guess there was some sort of payment there. That was my first job. So, so the, the motivator, if the motivator is productivity for our work, then the, the motivator for our job is provision. We work to provide. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10 says it very clearly. If anyone is not willing to work, he shouldn't eat. Let him not eat. I love where it says not willing to work 
Because there are some people who are willing to work, but because of certain things, they can't work. Maybe they got physical impairment or, or whatever, and they can't work. So, but he saw me, if you're not willing to work, he's almost saying if, if you're able but you're not willing to, then you shouldn't eat. I think that would be a great, I think that's social reform. I think that might be something that we probably could get involved in as a platform. My platform as running for Congress is that if you don't work, you don't eat. And you get four votes. That's about how many you would get. But really, it's a biblical principle. You gotta, you gotta eat. So when I got out of high school, you know, my, we had went bankrupt. We didn't have anything. They took our car. They took all our money. We had nothing. And so I graduated from high school, and I needed to get a job, man. You was like get a job. And so I remember getting in that '62 Ford Fairlane. Uh, I had a, I had in one hand, I had a pen. In the other hand, I had a classified ad. There was no inner's net then. I had a classified ad and a pocket full of nickels. And I drove to Baton Rouge to a payphone right on the side of Florida Boulevard. The busiest street in Baton Rouge, just about cars whizzed by, trucks whizzed by. And I remember I just began to call things that I possibly could do, I didn't know. I'd circle them, cross them out, circle them, cross them out, make phone calls. No, no, no. And finally, this one guy, I called Louisiana National Bank, and the guy said, yes. He got me to the department, said, come on in for an interview. So I don't know, a day or two later, I drove up there, got all dressed up. Now, you got to understand, I'm just a kid. And I sit down in front of this guy. I thought he was probably like 60 years old, but now that I think about it, he's probably about 30. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just a young guy. And, and so he, you know, through interviewing me, he said, well, uh, are you willing to start on the ground floor of the corporation? I said, well, absolutely. Man, I want to be in the banking industry. I want to. Yes. So he hired me as the parking lot attendant in the underground, the ground, the subground floor. And I went to work. I was so excited. And at the end of that first day of work, I quit that job, <laughs> breathing carbon dioxide fumes all day long and people whizzing by me, unattentive to my authority of the little toll booth. I come back to the man, I said, people don't stop, they don't pay, I quit. And that's it. And then I finally found a bunch of guys from working for the IC Railroad in Louisiana with a bunch of guys from Mississippi, Port Gibson, Vicksburg, chewing tobacco, cussing all night long, beat you up in about five seconds in the middle of the night, the night shift, working on the night shift, man. I remember those guys that just... One guy told me, he said, come here, he said, I will nail you down in the ground like a mile post if you don't shut up. So you know what I did? I shut up, man. <laughs> For like two weeks, I never talked. I think everybody is given a capacity to work. And while our work expresses many ways, I think one of the main ways we express our work is, is in a job. And I think... In our job, there's something that we need that has been talked about a lot in a long time, and I think that's character. I think character in the job. Uh, I think promptness is one of the greatest character traits we should have. In other words, get to work on time. Years ago, a young man had just gotten saved in the church, and he was talking to me about his job, and he was all excited. I could tell he was just excited. So he told me, he said, Brother Van, he said, Wow, he said, this past month, I've only missed work twice. 
Now, we're not talking about missing work because, you know, you're sick or you're caught, but he just didn't go to work two days. And he was so excited. I think we should go to work every day. One thing my dad taught me was a work ethic. I never remember my dad missing not one day of work that I can ever remember my whole life. No matter what he did the night before, and he did a lot of crazy stuff, by 8 o'clock in the morning, he was on the job. Great work ethic. I think fulfilling responsibilities. I think accomplishing what we get paid for. I think going to work and working all day at the job we're getting paid for. I thought about this last night when I was just going over there. I said, what about cell phones? Because cell phones turn into a real problem. I think it's the greatest thing in the world, but boy, it's a real problem, you know. And so I just started looking, you know, and, and studying about how does it affect the workplace. And, and one survey said that uh, every employee that has a cell phone wastes one hour per day on their phone. So I said one time five is five. That's five hours a week. If you multiply that time 52 hours, and let's say you multiply that time a million employees and make $20 an hour, it turned into billions of dollars. Wasted. Because people don't have enough character, come on now, to turn their cell phones off like you can't wait to get that Facebook post about that little bird that's on the back of a donkey. Because you got to see that, you see. And you know what they said? 23% of the people that get texts or things like that during the day make mistakes on their job. So it's costing a lot of money. It's all about character. That went over real big. Because probably a lot of you like that. It's like, man, I got to whip out that phone. Like, yep. Mama bought hot dogs today. Okay. <laughs> so I think, I think advancing in your abilities and your knowledge and your position means a lot. I believe that we should go above the call of duty. In our job, we should be, you know, excited, enthusiastic about it and want to learn and advance. I was working on my dream job years ago. I finally got the job that I wanted my whole life in accounting, my whole life. I'd watch my uncle. I'd babysit me a lot. He'd come home. He'd bring homework, and he'd, he'd write on these accounting sheets, and, and he had an adding machine, you know, and he'd pull the lever back. And I said, my goodness, that, that's like, that's what I want. I'd go home and tell Mama, that's what I want to do, Mama. I want to do that. And eventually, I was doing that. Not only that, I was working alongside in the same office as my uncle with the same company. And eventually, I was promoted and I took his job. I was doing exactly what he was doing when I was five years old. And so, I was bringing new ideas because, boy, they needed new ideas. And I remember I worked with this woman, Pat, and, and she worked with the company for a long time. And I was bringing these new ideas. I think, let me tell you something. She said, I don't want you to teach me not one more new thing. Because if you teach me something new, then I have to do it. And I don't want to do anything more than what I'm doing. I think we should advance in our work. And I think our work ethic is one of the greatest tools that we can use to represent Christ to the unbelievers that we work with every day. Okay? Because I will tell you this, that if you're not a good employee, do not witness Jesus. Be quiet. You know what I mean? Because the world is bold and the world is brass. And I'll tell you what, they'll just tell you, shut up about Jesus and do your job good. Work ethic is very, very important. 
character plays a big role in what we do. And then there's this thing of hating the job that you have. Don't raise your hand for how many of you hate your job like you can't, like it's Monday morning. Oh, my God, I can't believe I got to go back to that place. Well, I'm going to help you out here. Why don't you quit that job and get the job that you love? Now, get the job you love before you quit the job you hate. <laughs> you got that? Because I tried this for four years ago, and people, they quit their job. They had no, no money. No motivation. You quit your job. And then, you know, the big question we want to ask here is, am I providing for those I'm responsible for? If I'm motivated by provision, am I providing for my family? And I know sometimes we get into hard spots and jobs and money and things happen. You understand? But I'm not talking about hard times. I'm talking about character and doing what you're supposed to do. And that is providing for your family. It's one thing I think my wife has always appreciated about me. Am I right, honey? That I have always provided, and it has not always been easy to provide. God didn't say anything about easy to provide. He just says, go to work, and you'll eat. And after this, there's this thing. Now, the third thing. So we got the work we all do. We got a job, right? But, but the third thing I want to talk to you about, which I think is just so wonderful, and that is what we want to call vocation. Vocation, or we might call it a calling. Vocation, a calling. It's really what do you exist for? Really, what you exist for. That's your vocation. And it's different than a job because vocation speaks to your purpose, not just your function. And the best example I can give to you is that hospital. Some of you might be a medical person or for a hospital or a clinic. You go to work every day like everybody else. You do procedures. You, you, you do paperwork. And at the end of the week or two weeks or the month, you get a paycheck. You work your job for money. You do that. But it's something about nursing that's got a calling to it. Not long ago, we were in Gonzales. That's where we were from. We were visiting my brother and sister-in-law, and we had decided on a Friday night to go out and eat. Everybody likes to eat on a Friday night and a Tuesday night. And a Thursday night to eat out. And so we're, we're at the restaurant, so I drive up, you know, and I'm going to let them out by the door, and I'm going to go park. And so, you know, everybody getting out. Well, my sister-in-law gets out the car, the passenger beside, behind me, and she just passes out and falls straight like a cord of wood just <laughs> on the concrete. Head busted open, totally laid out, completely unconscious. I mean, the first thing I did, I ran over there, I grabbed her wrist to see if she was alive because she looked dead. And she had a pulse. I said, well, that's good, you know. But the wonderful thing that happened there was that it seems like immediately, it was immediately, nurse, several nurse, they, they just, they were there. I mean, like, like, like phantom, just whew. Now, they were going in to eat their supper like everybody else. 
You know, and, and I don't think they, you know, when they saw this, I don't think they said, well, you know, should we go? I don't know if we'll go. You know, if we wait, maybe, you know, the line's getting longer. We have to wait. The wait time could be 20 minutes. You know, I don't know. No, they instantly went in that. Matter of fact, they, they had gloves. They whipped out these gloves. and put a, One of them had a stethoscope around her neck, you know, and, and, and bandages and all sorts of stuff, you know, and telling commands, do this, do that, asking us questions. And I was like, whoa, 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 Lord, Lord, you just save her life, you know. I'm praying. I'm doing the only thing I don't do because I'm not very good with blood and guts and all that. I just can't handle that kind of stuff. They served. Now, now, what happened there? What happened there was that their vocation took over and superseded their job. No pay for this. Nothing but just, let's just call it a calling that motivated them, a burden, if you would, because the motivator of, of a calling is a burden. It's what you're burdened for. I, I just wonder if you've ever even thought about that. If you haven't, can we think about that for a moment? Can you think about a burden? Maybe that God has put on your heart, something that's far past your ability, something that really stretches you, something that will cost you something that you don't get any pay for, have you ever thought about that? Become circumspect. Become aware that this thing is larger than just us, that the Lord may want to put a burden on you. He might want to stir up your vocation because I believe this. I believe when you truly discover who you are, then you'll, 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 you'll see that it greatly impacts what you do. If you see yourself like Jesus sees you, it's just wonderful. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for God, for God, this is what God did, for we are his workmanship, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Works, toil, it means toiling. To, to walk means to live in them. And that motivated is a burden. You, you see, I was working on that job in accounting. And I love accounting. I, I, and I love my job. I never did gripe about my job. And, and, and believe it or not, I was on the, on the bottom floor of a growing corporation. And I, there was great, great potential there and a wonderful history. I mean, you know, all of our health insurance was paid for 100%, including they paid the deductible. Uh, get some of that, why don't you? Nowadays, wouldn't you like to have that, huh? And, and bonuses twice a year and, and, and a retirement program. I, I was setting up the retirement program. But, but, but the calling, God has saved us. And then moving forward in God, the calling began to compete with the job. I don't know if you ever had this happen. Maybe not going into the ministry. But the calling on my life in Christ, began to compete with the job until finally there was turmoil. And the thing that I loved was being overtaken by this new thing that I didn't know a lot about. I knew accounting. Just give it to me. I can do that. But this new thing was growing and growing until sometimes I would just weep at the kitchen table. Jan didn't know what to do with me. Like, it's going to be all right. I got to go. I don't know what to do. How do you do? How do you do this? 
Because God will put a burden on you. He will. You may leave here today and never be the same. God might just put a burden on you if you just listen. And so finally, we just surrendered to that burden. And it cost. It was a sacrifice. I left everything. A dramatic cut in pay. I mean dramatic. You talk about dramatic, over 50% dramatic with no benefits. Dramatic. Three kids and a car note, Jack. Away from every person they've ever known their entire life. I took my kids away from their grandparents. I asked my mom just the other night. I was talking to her. She's 96. I said, Mom, what did you think about whenever I told you that we were moving to Mississippi to lead a church? She said, well, I was sad and I cried. But then what could I do about it? Which was true. We left everything. And we came knowing no one really. Just obedient. Following God will cost you. You know what I'm talking about? Look, salvation is free, but all the rest costs you everything you have. You understand? And so, you know, here we are. The, the, the wonderful thing is this, is watch this. You know, and, and really, I forgot in the first service, but pastor came up and said exactly what I want to say. So he said, you say it this time, so I'm going to say it. What's astonishing is that what I gave up to follow the call, the burden, the vocation it's come full circle after nearly 40 years, and now I'm actually the CFO of Northwood Church, and what am I doing? I'm at my desk with my 10-key adding machine and my column pads, which, by the way, are electronic. Now, thank God for XLs and those things that they add up all the columns for you, and I'm doing the same thing. So what I loved, I gave up to do what God loved, and he made me love it, and now I got both. So don't think you're going to give up some God taking everything away from you, not giving you something back. God loves you. God wants you to have a full life. And we've had a full life. So have you ever thought about being burdened? So ultimately, here we go. We're getting ready to close. We're going to land this plane. Here we go. Ultimately, watch this. All things, we do all things for the glory of God and his kingdom. We're ambassadors of Christ, folks. This ain't just some little thing, church thing we're doing until whatever. We are in the hidden kingdom of Almighty God. And he's using us to win people to that kingdom and to influence people for eternity. And that's a burden. It's a wonderful burden. Our work, our goal is to please God. We started at the beginning. We end with that to please God. So watch this. Colossians 3.23, I think sums it up. It says, whatever you do, there you go. That means everything. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So listen to me. When you wake up tomorrow morning to go to that job or if you do that work for that neighbor or that elderly person or you move in a vocation and a burden and a calling, realize this, that you don't work for a man. He might sign your check and that's great. His name is Jesus. You work for him. 
Come on now. Thank God for human race, but my God is my ruler. And I work for him. And that's where I get my value. It's from the Lord. So three things. Here you go. Just bullet points real quick. Get ready. You ready for this? Number one, look for opportunities to glorify God as you work. No matter what it is. Give him the glory for people. Number two, allow the inconveniences of your job to sanctify you. I know, I know that you can't stand some people on your job. Come on now. Hey, just you don't raise your hand, just don't, don't even nod. But you know that some people really get you on that job. You know that. Let, let the Lord use that inconvenience. Maybe that boss who's been pressing you, man. We got a new boss on my job. I'm working on the job. I'm all happy. He come on the job and look, ain't nobody liked him in the whole here. And I want you to give account of everything that you've done this week in writing. But you know what? Evidently, Jesus put him in my life to work something in me. And the third thing, experience the reward of serving God in all things. Come on now. Just experience the joy of serving Jesus, whatever he may do in your life, whatever he may ask you to do, whatever he may command you to do, and do it with zeal and do it with joy because, folks, let me tell you something. He is the one that I will stand before, that you will stand before at the end of time. I'm not going to stand before Fred Wickelman, who I really didn't like a whole lot on my job. Or maybe, or maybe that, that, that uh, yard master on the railroad who wanted to get me fired because I said something as a kid that kids say. Or maybe it was that guy that took my job on the railroad that pushed me out into a, 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 a God-forsaken place 60 miles from my house working at uh, 8.30 at night till 4 in the morning. Get some of that. What, none of those. My reward is coming from Jesus. I stand before Jesus to give account of what I've done in my body, whether good or evil. And guess what? I'll always take my chances with my God rather than men. Amen? Because it's a, a message on work goals. But I want to tell you, your main goal is to connect with God. I wish that God would have given me the power to make people serve Him. But no man can make you serve God. Not even God can make you serve Him. It's all surrender. It's all voluntarily done. So if you're in this room right now, and it probably are some of you, that you really don't have a living, flowing relationship with Jesus, but you, right now you're just sitting there, God's got a hold of you. We talk about work and God's want to talk about your soul. This is what I want you to do. I'll instruct you the best way I know how, how God instructed me when I was in your place. Just open up your heart. Just trust Him. You don't have to do anything right now but surrender. Give up on your own ways. And just say something like this in your heart because that's where God is listening. Just say something like this. Just say, Father, I know that I'm a sinner separated from you and I don't even know how to approach you. But I'm asking you to save me today. I'm asking you to forgive my sin, to change my life. I'm just extending the 
little bit of faith I got to say, come in, Jesus, and do a work in my life. Make me a child of God as I surrender to you. And that's what it's all about, folks. And then God will take you on a journey. It's a mystifying, wonderful, sometimes unknown journey, but one that's secure by the power of God. So you just thank Him right now. Lord, thank You for forgiving me. Thank You for saving me. And then for you who are Christians in this, in this building right now, can we pray together that our work ethic would be one that would be impeccable? That when people look at us, they say, boy, not only is he a good work, but he said he's a Christian. Let's just pray that. Father, would you convict us if we need conviction? God, would you touch us and encourage us where we need encouragement? Lord, would we be people who are always willing to go the extra mile, to go beyond the call of duty, to be the example of what a Christ follower is in the workplace? And Lord, for us who maybe are not working as much as we used to work, Give us a, a word to help somebody, to help that little lady with her groceries in the Walmart parking lot, to maybe help the guy bring the buggies up front. Maybe, Lord God, to pay somebody's car note who's in trouble. Would you help us to do that? And we'll give you all the glory for it, and you get all the praise for it.